Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Welcome to Talking Buffalo, featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things Buffalo, with your host, Patrick Moran. All right, what is going on, everybody? How you doing? Welcome to another episode of Talking Buffalo, your weekday daily driver for Buffalo sports talk and more. I'm your host, Patrick Moran. Thank you. As always, for locking in, whether you're listening to this on the audio side, whether you're checking us out on YouTube, appreciate you all. Uh, this is our Thursday episode, recording this on November 1st. Joined by my good friend, recurring guest, Anthony Marino from Buffalo Rumblings. November 1st, you know what that means, right, Anthony? It's Christmas season, man. What's going on? How you doing? I know uh, you're so happy that Halloween is in the rearview mirror and you're I'm sure you were listening to uh, Mariah Carey first thing this morning and, and ready to go. So <laughs> I'm half in for Christmas on, on November 1st. Jokes aside, I am in with movies. Sorry, I know mean, I, I, if you're watching on the video side, there was a long pause here. I noticed right away that my mic was muted, so I didn't want to start talking and, and screw it up. But anyway, as I was saying, I'm in with music immediately because there's too many movies that go on during Christmas season. If you wait until after Thanksgiving to start them, you're not going to get to watch them all. Plus, there's a handful of new ones that I look forward to seeing every year. Music, I'm good with driving around. Um, but I'm not going I did this last year. I'm not going to do it this year, Anth. Um, Christmas decorations. Last year, right around this time, first couple of days of November, I got impulsive. I bought a fake tree for the first time in my life. Now I have an artificial tree. We put it up first couple of days in November. I, I hated it. It was like too much too soon when it comes to the decorations. But the movies, the music, it's on. It's Christmas season now. How's the way you are? You are. You, you are ready to go. I am more of a, a slow burn into, uh, into Christmas season. Sometimes it might just hit you or whatever if you, you hear something on the radio. But, you know, unlike yourself, I'm, I'm not uh, counting the days till November 1st to to make that to make that switch but i'll get there eventually though. i just hate halloween i think that's what it comes down to more than anything i just i'm not a halloween guy i never was either it's just weird I, and i know it's weird it goes all the way back you know i don't remember well but i think when i was a kid i got my i got my uh, i got punked off by a bigger kid and got my candy stolen i forgot what they used to have a term for it when i was a kid too but they were bag snatching or something like that when i was a kid I think it made me cry when I was like nine or 10 years old. And I don't think I ever got over it. 
So I, I don't yeah, like you know Halloween, what? man. It's just that, that's that's Halloween. at least understandable. That could that could be a traumatic enough experience <laughs> that I can I can I can explain. I mean, someday it's like they'll do a study on like you know, well, Patrick, why <laughs> why are you listening to you know Mariah Carey Christmas on October seventeenth? And it's like it'll come back to that <laughs> that moment. So. It's a it's a kid's holiday, man. It's a or at least it, it used to be. It's supposed yeah. to be. You take your kids out trick or treating. That's cool. You could even get dressed up for that. And your kids get dressed up. You go around the neighborhood. You go get the candy. That's what to me Halloween always was. Now it's about the adults. Now it's adults get dressed up and go to the bar parties and they have their own costume parties, stuff like that. It, it's just not for me, man. It's not. Now I will get a costume. Like I'll go to a party randomly in like February or something, dress up in a costume. I think that's cool. But Halloween, ugh. how's the weather, by the way, where you are? You're not, you don't live in Buffalo for everybody who doesn't know this. Yeah. I mean, we're, where you haven't gotten any snow yet. A couple no? of folks said maybe they saw a flurry or whatever, but you know, walking the dog early this morning, it was like 35 degrees. And that's, you know, that's a reminder. It's like that in between of, here's how I put it. Like when I'm walking the dog, am I wearing the snowblower jacket or am I not? And, <laughs> you know, you get into the the thick of winter and it's just like, all right, man, I'm, I'm all bundled up. I take the dog out every day. But today was still winter hat, puffer vest, put some gloves on, like, and I was fine. I got uh, up this morning, looked outside the window and there is legit snow on the ground. And I mean, like a, a decently legit amount on Halloween night. I, I, part of my job, I have a, a second gig and, and sometimes it requires driving. And I was driving around last night and at first it was like, all right, cool. A little bit of wet snow and Halloween. This is fun. At least in Buffalo by like eight o'clock, it was full on snowing hard as hell out, man. Like almost visibility was shitty driving. I was like, are you kidding me? It's Halloween, man. It's still October and we're already getting the snow. And I keep hearing that this might be one of the worst winters we've ever had. I, I feel like Halloween night might've been like just a little bit of a, a tiny tease. Well, it's Boy. funny. Uh, you, you know, you follow different players on social media and, and Jordan Phillips, it was great. He had a, a video reel on Instagram and he's opening his front door and there's all snow coming down and snow covered out front. And he just goes, well, that escalated quickly. <laughs> and it just was a uh, kind of a perfect synopsis of, of where things are. But thankfully for us, Nothing, uh, nothing yet. I think, uh, I think Jordan Phillips might want to secretly beat my ass, by the way. If, no, <laughs> I, I've had a couple burner accounts get at me via DM over the past week. I was, I was pretty harsh on, uh, you know, we, we did a preview last week, so we talked before the Tampa game, but that face mask penalty on fourth down that gave Tampa new life when the, when the game would have been over, I was pretty, uh, vocal about that on, on social media and maybe, uh, a couple of Jordan Phillips fans weren't too happy about it, but whatever. It, 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 you know what? Inexcusable mistake. Don't want to get into that, though. I don't want to get into that because we got a big, big game coming up this week, and we're going to spend some time talking Bills, Bengals. I think this is a huge, and I mean huge, measuring stick game here uh, for the Buffalo Bills. Before we get into some football talk, though, I do want to remind people right now, if you have Twitter, go to my Twitter at Patrick Moran TV. Got a prize pack giveaway going on right now. You can win a large pizza and 20 wings from three of the best food spots in Western New York Macy's Place Pizzeria and Imperial Pizza. 
and Sunny Reds. All you got to do, again, is go to my Twitter. I got a tweet pin at the very top. And all you got to do is uh, retweet that tweet and send a screenshot that you're subscribed to Talking Buffalo and you can be eligible to win. It's like price back, like $160, $170 value there. So uh, pretty cool stuff. <laughs> we talked yesterday during the trade deadline. And we're taping this. I, I need to preface this. We do this most times. Uh, we tape Wednesday mornings for a Thursday show. So if anything nutty goes on throughout the day on Wednesday, we're not covering it. We're talking about stuff up to this point. You and I talked a little bit, or at least had an exchange, I should say, on Tuesday, NFL trade deadline day. I was on the verge of snapping. I'm not going to lie. Like, this would have been maybe the ugliest show you ever did with me if the Bills either A, didn't make a trade at all, or B, traded for Levi Wallace. And with respect to Levi Wallace, good person. And you could do, there's worse quarterbacks in the NFL than Levi Wallace. But that's a depth, dude. Nothing more. And I was going to lose my shit. I'm not going to lie to you, man. I was going to lose my shit if the Bills, if Brandon Bean did nothing besides just adding another little small death piece to this roster. Like he did last year with the Dean Marlowe trade. I was like, Come, I, I can't. I won't be able to handle that, man. You know how I am, man. It was going to get ugly, dude. Listen, there was a small part of me that was like, I wanted that trade to happen. <laughs> I wanted that to be it just to see how it would go. I might have even had to turn my camera off if that was the case, because I don't I don't know if I could have like looked you in the eye. <laughs> but, you know, when when you think about that, it's um, but it didn't happen. Right. I mean, I think right. with so much of leading up to the trade deadline and there's so much speculation. I mean, big names get thrown out there of, you know. DeAndre Hopkins and Derrick Henry and, you know, I mean, names that are that have been associated with the Bills in the past are fun to associate with. And honestly, the whole Levi Wallace thing, like, yeah, you can look at it and say that's probably not. And that's no disrespect to Levi Wallace because he did some really good things in, in Buffalo. And if he had a chance to come back, I personally would welcome him with open arms. But it it wouldn't be a move that would make your team better. Right. Similar to what you talked about last year with Dean Marlowe, bringing him back like, hey, that's fine. Depth knows the system, all those pieces. But whether you have Levi Wallace out there or Dane Jackson, whatever. Right. That's that's not really much of a a change. It's a it's a depth piece. And I think we can all look at it and say, if the Bills want to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl, they need to get better. That's not something that would have done it. But I do think they got better yesterday. So that's. I can I can definitely take that, but yeah, there's there's that part of me like I wanted I wanted to see it happen. I wanted to see it happen just for you, man, and just uh, see what was going to take. I would have I would not have been fun. You know, you're you're old enough and to know how the NFL used to be. The trade kind of stuff is relatively new. Game used to yeah. be like this. There would barely be any trades, like even during the off season, and there would be almost no trades you know, like trade deadline week in the past. This is a, it's a new league now. This is closer to being like the, um, like the NBA or the NHL now with trade deadlines. I mean, there were a handful of not just trades yesterday in the NFL, but like significant ones. I mean, Montez Sweat is gone. Chase Young gets traded. Rasul Douglas to the Bills. Just, um, it's active now. It's a, it's a different NFL and I like it. It's exciting. Yeah, and it's interesting too. Some people will say they should push the trade deadline back because it's it's almost too early in the season to be able to tell 
gosh, should you be a buyer or a seller? Like the Minnesota Vikings, for example. Well, they sit there at four and four. You lose Kirk Cousins for the season, Justin Jefferson on IR for a little, you know, like you're kind yeah. of in that that in between of are, are you going to throw the towel in on the season or are you going to, you know, hold Pat or are you actually going to, to be a, a buyer? And I think there's a lot of teams at this point, they're just a kind of that in between, right? There's not many that are just out of the the mix, but you certainly saw it uh, with the Washington commanders, like you say, with, you know, Chase Young and Montez Sweat. I mean, thought maybe they'd trade one of them, but to to trade both, pick up a couple of day two picks, like we, we've seen it before. And I don't want to call it like, oh, the Brandon Bean blueprint. Like we, we just know that because we're so close to it. But sometimes it's like, listen, if you're in a position where you need to get a quarterback and Washington can certainly say that, Green Bay can certainly say that, did the Giants throw that that flag up right when they traded Leonard Williams away and added a second round pick? Like you need as much ammo as you ha- can possibly have to move around and and work. And those day two picks can can certainly help you get there. So yeah, I'm. It was. I I think it was a very stressful day for, for Bills fans because they know that Brandon Bean had to make a move, and this is a football team, the Buffalo Bills, that. They're going to be competitive, even if they did nothing. They're still they were still going to be ultra competitive. You know, this is a team yeah. that could beat anybody just because they're that good. I don't dislike Levi Walls, and that was a report earlier on. I, actually, let me take that back. That was the speculation earlier on, in part because Levi Wallace had a I don't know maybe an Instagram post with the you know with the eyes like the interested eyes, and that led everyone assuming he was going to be a Buffalo Bill. I just felt like if you would have added Levi Wallace, he's no better or worse to me than Dane Jackson. And, and again, I don't dislike Dane Jackson either, but to your point, and I agree, I just didn't think that that would make the Buffalo Bills better. And they have to get better on defense. They needed, they lost three pieces. You got to go get one of them back, at least one. This is not like the NHL where you could just go add four, five, six guys so easily. So I, I, I never expected them to make like, three trades, but you got to at least make one. And it was pretty obvious too. In hindsight, I, I was saying for the last couple of weeks, I think the bills need to focus on either defense attack or a linebacker. But the more I thought about it, I was like, that's, I, I feel like I'm wrong. And Brandon Bean was right. Get in the corner needs to be first. Cause you look at that schedule starting Sunday and you look at some of these quarterbacks coming up, Burrow and Mahomes and Hertz and Herbert and Tua and Dak Prescott. You bet. You better stack up at corner. I mean, Josh Norman was active last Thursday night. You know, enough said. You better go get yourself a talented corner, and that's what Rasul Douglas is. And we'll talk about him in a second too. Yeah, I, I still myself going into it, I still felt that linebacker and defensive tackle might have been a better, a bigger need. And I say that just because we've seen in the past. I mean, and again, not that things ended the way you wanted to, but hey, in the you know. 2021 season it's like you you do have Levi Wallace and Dane Jackson finishing out the the season and you're you know on the doorstep of the AFC championship game and who knew what could have could have happened but I as you talk about it in the teams that they're going to be playing and you're going up against the Eagles and their wide receivers and the Chiefs and the Dolphins and the Bengals it's like cornerback is definitely a need and and again you you probably don't have the assets to 
to do more than one. In, you know, there was no there was no uh, weak side linebacker that was on the move. There was no you know one tech defensive tackle that I looked at and said, why didn't the Bills make make that move? Mm-hmm. So you know, I think when it when it came to things, it's certainly an area of need and. You know, it'd be interesting to see if he's able to play on on Sunday. You know, can three days of practice get you up to speed? Yeah, I would. Uh, again, we're taping this Wednesday. Brandon Bean is speaking later today. Maybe he'll speak out what you just said. My ex, my early expectation, my knee jerk expectation is probably doesn't play this week. Or if he does, he might get maybe a, maybe a handful of snaps. He's certainly not going to start this week. I, I just don't think one or two practices with the team is, is enough time. But even if it takes him a week or two to – he is a starter, by the way. So for everyone out there who might not know Rasul Douglas, this was not a quote-unquote death move. This is not right. your third outside corner. This guy's starting. And then now it's a question of who starts alongside him. Is it Christian Benford or Dane Jackson? Probably um, Christian Benford. I'll, I'll say this. And and again, it, it was just – it was a stressful day. The Bills were targeting – and I've heard this, and I know other people have as well. Jalen Johnson was the primary target from Chicago. But from what I understand, Chicago was asking for both a second-round pick and then also a pick swap where the Bills would give up their fourth and get a fifth back. So a second and plus moving down an entire round in the draft, I, it was just too rich for them. Not to mention the contract. Jalen Johnson is going to be, for sure, a top-ten corner this offseason. So financially and compensation wise, it just didn't seem to make sense to Brandon Bean. And I don't fault him at all. I think landing on Russell Douglas is a a good move. Essentially, financially, it's only costing the Bills $461 for the rest of this season. And the way his contract is structured, it's pretty cool for the Bills. The guys do $9 million next year, but none of that is guaranteed. So basically, the Bills have an option right now. I mean, they don't have to renegotiate with the guy. If if, if Rasul Douglas comes in and they really like him a lot, they all they got to do, he's already under contract for $9 million next year, which is not a bad number for a starting corner in the NFL, actually, for a veteran. So they could just keep him and uh, at $9 million next year. Or if they want to just use him, and he potentially could just be a rental player. You know, they want to go younger or not even so much younger, but cheaper at that position, then they cut him. And they'll save $9 million against the cap, and there will be no dead cap money. So financially, this is a no-brainer uh, for Brandon Bean. I talked to a couple living in Florida for six years, and you know, like here in Buffalo, everybody's a Bills fan. In Florida, I had close friends who were all fans of different teams, and there were a couple of Green Bay Packer fans. I reached out to them immediately. For what it's worth, big fans. They're big fans of Russell Douglas. They say he's a good player. From what you've heard, from what you've seen, like, what are your impressions of him as a player? Yeah, and it's easy to find the uh, the positives, but when you look at those folks that cover the Packers, right? I mean, generally across the board, positive reviews of, mm-hmm. of him as a culture fit, as a leader. Um, you know, even though he's twenty eight years old, right? Kind of a, a veteran that younger players will will go to. Uh, he was the what do they call it? The, the good guy award that was given yeah. by the Packers media last year. One of their media members had said uh, in kind of a thread, he probably would have gotten it this year as well. Um, right. So you, you just kind of look at that as a player and you say, okay, I see how this can, can fit. And I'm not one of those film junkies. Like, you know, once the trade happened, I mean, I'm not sitting here thinking to myself, like, 
oh, hey, I know every, you know, coverage that he's ever played in or sure. any of those pieces, you know, you know of the player and know that he has a, a positive reputation. And and to your point, I think when you look at the investment that the Bills made, you know, yeah, a third round pick, but you're getting a fifth round pick back. Yeah. So, you know, in, in essence, it's like you traded a, a fourth rounder to get this guy. I mean, the last two years, the Bills have packaged a fourth rounder to move up to get Dalton Kincaid. They packaged a fourth rounder to move up to get Kyir Elam. Like, they just kind of throw those around like like they're nothing. So to get the fifth round pick back, I mean, I realize you're probably not looking at it and saying, oh my gosh, that makes a huge difference. But Brandon Bean has had some success in the fifth round in the in the past, and you can get some depth pieces and what that can be. And hey, if Douglas comes in, to your point, and, and trust me, it's easy to be optimistic the day after, but it's like, it is kind of a best case scenario. Low cap hit for this season. Okay, you know, for what it will cost him next year. But to your point, if things don't work out, you can cut him and move on. But let's be honest. I mean, you basically just traded a fourth round pick for him. Unless he's horrible, if the Bills needed to, it could be a player that they could trade without any cap ramifications for them next year. Or if you really like him and you're worried about, you know, do you re-sign Dane Jackson? What are things going to look like with Tredavious White? That cap hit that he has next year, that gives you some flexibility, honestly, if you want to extend him for a year or two, that you can move some dollars around and and make it work. So, you know, overall, you can look at it and say the flexibility they have with it and what he is as a player. Like I said, the Bills got better for this season, but they could also, you know, fill a hole that they might have for for next year and have that flexibility. It's pretty good. You know, I have a tendency to to, to be pessimistic. I could be pa- pessimistic patty sometimes. Uh, I'm not going to lie about that. I can't find a single thing about this trade I don't like. Yeah. I literally like every single thing about this trade from the draft compensation, which, by the way, you can't have it both ways. You can't say, please do something, Brandon Bean, and then bitch because they give up a, a third-round pick. You just – and they get a fifth back, though. But you can't do that. You can't have it both ways. You can't – you know, you want to be all in. You want to go all in. Now, this isn't an all-in move. This was just a good football trade, in my opinion. But, yes, people are out there and they're like, oh, you got to make moves, got to make moves. Oh, I can't believe we gave up a third-round pick for a guy, you know, they got one year on their contract and blah, 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 blah. I'm like, come on, man. Come on. I, there's nothing about this trade that I don't like. He's a good uh, fit schematically. He is from – you know what's fun about getting a guy like Russell Douglas, too? And 90% of Bills fans are Bills fans. They're not NFL – you know, you're not going to go around and know every player on 31 other teams. Not everybody's Joe Marino or Eric Turner, these guys, you know what I mean, who, who seemingly know every player from every sure. team around the league. So it's kind of fun to, like, dive in real quick. You're like, oh, Russell. I mean, I've heard, I know who Rosell Douglas is, but I don't know a ton about him. Like, I don't know what his stats were and stuff like that. So it was kind of fun to, like, oh, okay, the Bills go get Russell Douglas. Now, sudden. It's like cramming for a test. You know what I mean? You got to, you, you go online real quick. You hit, you Google, you start looking up numbers. You start, I went to the PFF section and looked up what his grades are. You know, uh, I go to the other team's pages and, and, or I'll keyword him and see what tweets are coming out about him, what other media people are, are saying about him or what that team's fans are saying about him. Cause usually that's a pretty good indicator of how a, a, a fan base feels about a player. But yeah, he's a good, he's a good fit um, schematically. Tall, lanky, pretty big. 
Uh, he's got 10 interceptions over his last three years. And his BFF grades, which take with a grain of salt, because I feel like PFF is one of those things where you use it when it fits your narrative. And then when it doesn't, you're like, fucking PFF. You don't know shit. But anyways, great 79.6 coverage grade. Eighth best among all corners this year in the NFL who've played at least 50% of his snaps. So PFF coverage grade-wise, he's been one of the 10 best starting corners in the entire NFL this year. Um, NFL Next Generation stats I looked up too. He's given up 6.5 yards per target, which is a full yard better than anybody currently on the Buffalo Bills. And we already talked about his contract. $9 million for next year. None of it guaranteed. So no dead cap, full savings if cut. Find me something you don't like about this because I can't. Can't do it. Yeah. No, everything is everything is positive. So that's just like I'm going to accept that. And And as you said, right, like – I follow the bills. I don't follow every other team. So it's like, I have to look to, you know, Joe Marino and Joe Biscaglia and guys like that to, to really get a breakdown. And I haven't had a chance to like, listen to locked on Packers today yet, or any of those pieces, Mm -hmm. but later on, I think I'll give it a listen to, to get some, some additional perspective and let's see what can happen. The interesting thing to me was with it. It's like, when you see that he's six foot one, 209 pounds, and Dane Jackson is listed at 5'10", 180. Like, that is a big, big, big difference. I mean, you're talking 30 pounds and three inches. Like, that is a that is a much larger cornerback than what the Bills, the Bills have right now. And I think sometimes I'm one of those guys when it comes to the draft, I'm always like, can the guy play or not, right? Forget the measurables of, oh, his wingspan is this or is in what I don't I don't generally care about that stuff. But when you look at things and you just say, okay, here's a guy that's had success and brings just a bigger physical presence to the field, maybe that can make a difference too. Yeah. Look, I would say this. I, I like Dane Jackson. Okay. He's, totally. he, you want a Dane Jackson on your football team. To me, he's an outstanding backup corner and he's a low tier CB2 on your team. True. I like Christian Benford plenty. This is his first year starting. He's growing still, and he's going to get better. And he's not bad now. In fact, he's played pretty well this year. But yeah. going into the schedule, starting this Sunday, man, when you when you got guys like Jamar Chase and Garrett Wilson and Tyree Kill and so many of these outstanding elite receivers, uh, C.D. Lamb, so many great receivers the Bills are going to see, Keenan Allen, I could, Jesus, I can keep going, man, here. Give me a veteran corner who started in this league for seven years and has done a lot of good things. You know, I, I want Rasul Douglas for people out there wondering, oh, what's his role going to be? His role is going to be, he's probably going to be the top corner. Well, he'll yeah. play on the right side. From what I understand, he'll be playing on the right side in the Bills. They don't move, the Bills don't move their corners around much. This to me is a reliable starter. I think Dane Jackson becomes your third corner, boundary corner. And I think Christian Benford um, keeps starting. Before we talk Bills Bengals, and we'll take a break and then we'll talk them. But before that, let's have a little bit of a an uncomfortable conversation, briefly at least, because I know a lot of people are speculating. I've already seen a lot about it on Twitter. I've had a couple of friends ask me, you know, what's going to happen with Trey White. So let's uh, let's paint a little bit of of realism here. Now it could be back, and I hope he is, but it's possible for sure. He's going to be t- turning twenty nine next year. He's trying to work back from an Achilles tear after he worked his way back from an ACL. And this is a skill position that re- requires a lot of speed and agility. Um, 
the Bills could cut him in this offseason. It could happen. I've it's a cruel business, you know that, and it is a business more than anything else. Um, I looked it up. So if they were to cut him pre June first, like if they cut him during the offseason, the Bills would have ten point four million dollars of dead cap money, but they would save six point three million in cap savings. Or if they were to cut him with the designation of post June first, uh six million dead cap this year, four in twenty twenty five, so still ten million in dead cap, but they would save more than ten million dollars against the cap uh next year. It's realistic, man. And it's early to talk about it. I know it sucks, but if you're talking about Douglas sticking with the or, uh sticking with the Bills beyond just this year and he's not a rental, that very, very well might come at the expense of Trey White being gone uh this offseason. Yeah, I mean, it's an uncomfortable conversation, like you said. I also feel like it's a premature conversation. I mean, what his rehab is going to look like, the severity of the injury. Mm-hmm. I mean, we go back to last year, right? First day of training camp, he's out on the sideline riding an exercise bike. We're almost thinking to ourselves, man, is he going to be able to come back for week one? Uh, it doesn't happen till what was it, like November until he was right. back on the field, back on the field playing. And but you don't know, right? All of these injuries are not not the same. The thing that makes it interesting is, you know, Dane Jackson is a free agent. Um, obviously, Kyir Elam, like such an unknown of just, you know, a guy that probably we were a little surprised didn't get traded yesterday. But uh, along those same lines, right? Like you're not trading a former first round pick for a seventh rounder when we've seen him do some good things. But there's some there's some uncertainty there. Right. And you could say, well, hey, if Benford and Douglas come back, if those can be your starters at the beginning of the season, like maybe you can slow play things with with White a little bit. But it is a big contract hit. It's one of those things that you just uh, have to see. But honestly, I can't wrap my head around it right now. It's a little I understand. Um, it's November. You know, and I am. Listen, I'm loyal to a fault. I'm loyal to a fault. And I I feel like Sean McDermott probably has some of that in him too, but, uh, but we will see. And I think part of it is going to be not even just what the bills want to do, but what does Tredavious white want to do? I mean, he is a guy that when you talk about different, different health issues during the pandemic, we knew it was a struggle for him to make the decision to, to play and not to opt out, you know, coming back from the injury, it certainly took him some time. And when I say he wasn't himself, I mean, there's, there's the physical side of coming back and there's the mental side too, which is, which is huge. So, you know, who knows if he's going to look at things and just say, Hey, it's been good. This is, this is time. And, And then you figure some things out. So, that's another factor that I, I think will really play into this. Yeah, and look, it's first of November, and there's a lot of football left this season. It, it sucks to even think about the off season, but again, it is a realistic thing, and a lot of people, I'm sure, are out there wondering about it. Personally, me, I look at the the roster right now, and I'm like, Christian Benford's locked in. I mean, he's becoming he's your, he's becoming yeah. a solid starting corner. He's young, and he's still got two more years under team control after this year. I don't think you keep Douglas and White. It's got to, that's just too much money. You're talking $27 million for two corners. And then when you have Christian Benford, so it's going to be one or the other. And it'll be interesting to see. I'll always root for Trey White. Trey White is one of my favorite players on this team, and I love him. But it's just, it's something that in the future we'll think about because a lot of people are wondering well, is 
Russell Douglas a one-year guy, or is he a guy who will be probably here for longer than one year? And I'm just saying that that might come down to what the Bills ultimately decide to do with Trey White. So anyway, uh, <laughs> you mentioned Kyrie Elam. That's the last guy we got to mention because we're you know, spending so much time here on the corners. So he isn't traded. That does surprise me. The dude's not playing. Okay. I, to me, that Tampa game, that was that was it. I don't know how you come back from that. How do you come back from that? When you are being inactive in, in favor of a guy who was on his couch at 35, turning 36 years old a couple weeks ago, and that guy's getting elevated from the practice squad, and you're not active. I don't. I don't even know what to say at that point. Everybody was saying, "Well, it's because he's getting traded." Well, he didn't get traded either. So, I don't know what the hell is going on with him. But the future is bleak for Kyrie Lam in Buffalo. You know, it's interesting, Pat. You you know more people than than I do. Um, you would think if like if there was something going on, like if he was a bad cultural fit, that it would have come out already or some rumblings or this and that even if it's not something that's shared on air or just you know behind the scenes like you don't hear any of of that right it's a guy that's a hard worker um seems like he's a good teammate i mean you know i don't know if there is like i've never heard a bad thing about him as a person never and i have talked and i know a handful of players and people who know him never heard a bad single bad thing about him as a as a person not one thing so that, you know, there's that piece to it where it's almost like, I mean, even like when uh, Chase Young was traded yesterday, like all of a sudden then there's the leak because you only get a third round pick for him. Like, well, there was, you know, he would kind of do his own thing or wasn't amenable to coaches. You know, you get that little leak because people are probably saying like, gosh, you traded a number two overall pick for a third round or what the hell are you doing type of thing. So with Elam, where, where I'm going with it, it's just like we've seen him play well. We've seen him, you know, get clinching type interceptions against the Dolphins in the playoffs, against the Chiefs during the regular season last year. Like we've seen the guy make plays. So in a way, I'm glad they didn't give up on him yet. I mean, it feels like it's so far gone, but just when it comes to, again, adding a a sixth or seventh round pick or like whatever horrible pick swap you did for Boogie Basham, it's just like there, there is something there. And I don't know what it is, but it's just like to – this would be the lowest that you could sell on him right now. So just don't don't do it. Like you weren't getting that much cap relief if you traded him to add a late day three pick. What's the point? But um, but I'm surprised because I thought maybe it would have been like a Zach Moss situation. Like, hey, you know, we'll take Russell Douglas. We'll give you a you know a third round pick and Kyer Elam, and you give us this back type of thing to you know, to, to gloss it over like, like happened last year with the Naheem Hines trade, but it didn't happen. It, so we'll just wait and see. It's, it, it's a mystery to me because again, as a, as a person, yeah. never heard a bad thing about him. There is something football wise going on with Kyrie Lam, And I don't know if it's maybe he just, I don't want to speculate. I don't know. Maybe he's just having a hard time with this specific scheme, but I don't, you would think he had value around the league. And, and, and what I disagree with is, his value will get lower than it is now. I, I said it before. It's like when you drive a car off the lot, it loses its sticker value immediately. And every week that this guy doesn't suit up, 
when, when's he going to suit up? Because now you got Rasir Douglas. So if one of the starters go down, you still got Dane Jackson. And now Josh yeah. Norman is getting elevated from the practice squad above you. The one time Kyrie Elam actually played in a game this year, he got benched in favor of Jamarcus Ingram. I just don't get it. I, maybe I, I don't know. And maybe, it feels maybe, like if, if you wanted to get rid of him, right, you could have done it this offseason. He finished the season as the starter. Again, played well enough in the playoffs against the Dolphins towards the end of the regular season. And the Bengals. It could have been something, right? Like you could have you could have moved him heading into to training camp and gotten a, a third round pick, probably, right? Some I, I don't know. I'm saying probably, mm-hmm. but like something. Now, again, that doesn't make you look good as a, a general manager or any of those pieces, but then you hold on to him. It doesn't work. He's an active time after time after time it just it does it doesn't add up and it's like almost to an extent you you just hope and not just because he's with the bills right but like okay if you're doing the right things if you're a generally good person that is working hard that something will click his confidence has to be shot it has to be sure he's headed towards a place where best case you're going to get a boogie basham off-season scenario for him worst case they might just cut him that's it wouldn't surprise me again if you getting getting benched in favor of Josh Norman if that's not a I don't think very highly of you I don't know what to tell you because again if were they to trade him then it would have made sense and I heard a lot about that last Thursday well they're going to trade him they don't want to get him hurt well they didn't trade him it's yeah. just it, it's baffling to me that that nobody seems to want him or willing to give up anything tough situation for the bills crazy because it's still uh, even even though he's looking like a bust that draft class from 2022 is still looking uh real good anyway real quick break here gonna come back big game this sunday we'll spend a few minutes talking about that bills Bengals. before history is written it's played before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, I'm back with Anthony Marino. We talked about Rasiel or Rasiel Douglas coming to the Bills. What might happen with Trey in the future? Our uh, our befuddlement with with Kyrie Elam. One thing I think we can agree on is that the Bills are a better football team here on Thursday than they were on Tuesday morning because they added uh, a good corner. You know, it'd be real sweet, man. I wish there would be some news that would trickle out with DeQuan Jones. Like I want to hear that he's coming back at the at the end of the regular season. What a lift that would be to this team. Because I think, man, you give me DeQuan. I, I think Matt Milano, because of the injuries, a lost cause for this year. Just yeah. from what little I am hearing. But DeQuan Jones can't really get a read on. 
he could potentially be back at the end of the regular season. And man, what a lift uh, that would be. Anyway, uh, the Bills-Bengals, Sunday night, prime time. This is a team, Cincinnati. I mean, they started out terrible. They lost three of their first four games. Um, They only put up three points twice in the first four games, once against Cleveland, once against Tennessee. But they've won three in a row, including a two-touchdown dominating. I watched that whole game, too. Dominating victory on the road against the San Francisco 49ers. And I know a lot of it has to do with Joe Burrow. He had a calf injury, slowed down, shitty early in the season. Probably should have sat out a couple weeks. Um, well, he's healthy now. He was running the ball last week, too, a couple times against Frisco. Yeah. So you know he's healthy. Goes without saying, dude, this is a very, very, very good football team that the Bills are playing on Sunday. Yeah, good football team, and I think it should be a great football game. And I, I think, you know, hey, you can look at things when the Bengals were struggling early on, like, hey, sure, it would be great to play a, a team when they're when they're struggling, right? At the end of the season, nobody's like, oh, well, that went over the, you know, the Bengals was this, or it was against their backup quarterback. Like, yeah, nobody cares, right? It's like the win is the the win. But I look at this for the Bills, and it's almost, um, talk about redemption, right? And I was one of the folks in the category last year at the end of the season of just like, listen, that Bills team was out of gas at the end of the oh, year. Oh, yeah. And yeah. when you talk about, you know, people be like, you're making excuses. It's just like, th- this isn't, yeah. this isn't making an excuse for everything that was going on. I'm sorry. Like it is, it, it's almost understandable and acceptable to say just like they were shot and they did not, did not have it. You know, I mean, it took everything to, to get through the Patriots game and to get through the Dolphins game and, you know, having almost lost that one. And then you get to this, this point. Yeah. Now there, there's nothing, there's nothing for that to say. It is just like, hey, you are playing the Bengals. This is your chance to show that that game was, you know, again, not a fluke, but you were, you were on empty at that point. You're not on empty now. You've got some additional rest. Yes, you're banged up. Everybody's banged up at this point. And I think it's one of those games too, similar to with the Dolphins game early on. It's just like, hey, the Bills might have to score 40 to win this game. I hope Sean McDermott realizes that too. And Ken Dorsey and Josh Allen and anybody that can make a decision for what they need to do on Sunday. The defense is not going to bail you out, not against this team. So you're going to have to play aggressive. You're going to have to play aggressive on offense, maybe force a turnover to have a short memory if you get burned by Jamar Chase or T. Higgins or if Joe Mixon runs one up the middle. Get the ball back, go down and score, and hit reset. So I look at this as one of those games where the Bills are going to have to keep their foot on the gas on offense, and I hope that they come out and do that Sunday night because it's not going to be about ball control. It's not going to be about time of possession or field position. It's going to be about scoring points. So just go go all out. You know, you know maybe more than anybody. I'm no Sean McDermott apologist or defender. I'm probably quick on the trigger to to criticize him, maybe as much as anybody. But like last week when they played Tampa and the Bills punted twice on fourth and two from right it. around midfield, I didn't hate it. Oh, I did. I didn't. And you know why? Because the defense was playing well. They were protecting a two-touchdown lead, and I just didn't trust Tampa to be able to go up and down the field if you pin them deep and score. And to be fair, 
were it not for an idiotic penalty by G uh, Jordan Phillips grabbing a face mask when he already had uh, Baker Mayfield down. That doesn't happen, and the Bills win that game comfortably. Um, Teron Johnson also had a penalty on fourth down on that same drive, but that was a little more touch-and-go kind of play. Don't get me started with this Jordan Phillips ran again. But anyway, my point was this. I don't disagree with what he did because of who they were playing. I will tell you this. You said you hated it. Not as much as I'll hate it if, they punt, if the same thing happens and they punt again against the Bengals because you do not do that against the Bengals because you're right. Defense is not going to shut Cincinnati down since he's going to get their points. They're going to have their, their quick drives. They're going to have a couple long drives. They're just too good. Jamar Chase is too good. He's got 60 catches already this year, 655 yards. T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon running the football, weapons galore. Joe Burrow, like I said, he's healthy again. You cannot punt the ball on fourth and two from the Bengals' 46, 47-yard line, whether you're up or not, and expect to have a, a realistic chance to uh, win this game. I'm going to give you a hot take, man. I don't know if it's a hot take. I don't know if you agree either. I think the Bengals are the best team in the AFC. I think they're the best all-around team right now in the AFC. I'm more concerned about playing them this Sunday than I am going to Kansas City, assuming the Bills can stay healthy. You know, I'm more concerned about playing the Bengals than I am the Chiefs. I don't, you probably don't agree with that. I don't know. I mean, listen, the Bills play a lot of good teams coming up, right? They play the Eagles. They play the Cowboys. They play the Chiefs. They play the Dolphins. They play the Bengals. Like, they're all good. Yeah. But you know who the Bengals still have to play coming up? All those teams, too. Yeah. Right. The Bengals have a bunch of those opponents sitting in front of them. And it's just I it's hard for me to say anyone is the best. I can look at the AFC right now and say it is wide open. If you told me that the Bills, the Bengals, the Dolphins, the Chiefs, if any of those teams, heck, I'll even throw the Jaguars in there to some point because of the, you know, the ease of their, two. The, the AFC, the oh. AFC South. Um, I can throw the Ravens into the conversation. If any of those teams went to the Super Bowl, I, I wouldn't look at it and be like, oh my gosh, I'm shocked. I mean, I, I just rattled off, what, six or seven teams. <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? Legitimately have, have a chance. But I will say this, only two of those teams made a move to get better yesterday. Yeah. You know, the Jaguars added some depth at offensive guard, guard and the Bills with the Russell Douglas move. So it's a, you know, it's a little bit of that where you're just like, okay, let's see how this how this plays out, but it is hard to call any of these teams the best team in the AFC right now because you can point to a game that any of them have played and say, gosh, they looked horrible yeah. in this in this matchup. And if you want to say the Dolphins look best, that's fine. But the Bills beat them 48 to 20. And, it's, and the it, Dolphins you know, never beat nobody. You, you know, so it's I mean, listen, you play who's on your schedule, right? I mean, that's kind of what what you do. But any one of those teams, it's just going to matter as, you know. Who is hot down the stretch? And to me, it's like which offense is going to be to be clicking. It could be the Bengals, but I'm still, you know, hey, the the win against the 49ers coming off the bye give you a ton of credit. Like you're looking better right now. I'm just really interesting to see what happens on Sunday night, and I'm sure Bengals fans probably feel the same. Sure, and look, I'm talking about more on a like a on paper basis. I just look oh yeah at yeah, the team and their roster, they're just there's no there's. No there's no holes, man. And, and again, they're, they're playing, they're starting to play well. You know, you look at the stats for the year and this is where stats can be so uh, misleading because their stats overall for the season are pretty shitty. Offensively, they're uh, 276 yards per game. It's only 28th in the NFL and they're only 24th in the NFL in points scored. Defensively, 
They're 27th in yards per game and they're 16th in points per game. So from a statistical standpoint, they look pretty shitty and it's fun. You know, we've been back and forth to Bills, whether it's you or I or just Bills fans in general. And the event, throw the advanced metrics in the garbage, okay? Points wise, the Bills are third. The Bills have scored the third most points in the NFL. It's about points, right? Well, they've scored the third most in the NFL. And points against, the Bills are seventh best in the NFL. The Bills have been really good statistically. Maybe it's because we're just so close to this team and follow them so closely that you, you find every little nitpick that you possibly can against this team. With the Bills, to me, it's about consistency more than anything else. I think that's been the Bills' problem this year. If I were to ask you, what, what what's your single biggest key to the Bills winning this game on Sunday, what would you say? Like if somebody goes, yo, Anth, what's the single biggest thing the Bills need to do to beat the Bengals on Sunday night? Eh, tough question because it's probably hard to lock down just one. But No, I mean, I would just say to run an up-tempo offense, whether it be no huddle or tempo or whatever it may be, that is the piece to me when they are the best. 11 personnel, 12 personnel, 10 personnel, whatever it is, that is when the Bills are at their best. Keeping you on your heels, keeping the defense on ice skates, that's when they play their best. I don't care if you're up 40 to nothing. Keep going. They can call you an asshole and say you're running up the score. I do not care <laughs> because that is when you are at your best. So you can do, you know, like we're not talking about, you know, a sixth grade peewee game here where you're you're trying not to to be a jerk. Like you're playing against another professional team at this point. So just go and play. And if w- what you're doing works, continue doing what what works. That was my only gripe in the Tampa Bay game because I felt like they took their foot off the gas and got conservative then in the second half. And when you talked about those punts on fourth down, especially the first one, you know, you have a, a two-score lead. Don't give them an opportunity to to get the ball back. You can yeah. end the game in, in that type of a scenario. Hey, you know, it, it – it's fine. I don't even want to like run through all of all of that again. But to me, it's just like you keep that tempo on offense and you don't change from it. And if you go three and out on your first possession, who cares? Get the ball back and do what you know works. And that's that's what works best for this team. You know, that Tampa game is so weird to me because they only won by six. It came down to the last play. Tampa could have easily won that game, which would have been one of the most shocking losses I've ever seen in my life had the Bills lost that game. But I love the off. That was, to me, except for the Miami game, that was my favorite offensive performance of the season. And I think that's the blueprint of the Bills offense. You talked yeah. about it. They ran some up-tempo, not all the time, but they mixed it up. And you you have Dalton Kincaid fully involved in the offense. And you have Khalil Shakir now fully involved in the offense. Gabe Davis has nine catches. James Cook still has a role on this football team right now. That's what I think you need to see from the Bills to beat the Bengals too. That mix uh, of unpredictability, Josh Allen running the football, that was great to see. That first, that run design on the second play of the game for the Bills, the crowd went nuts like they had scored a touchdown. They've been waiting forever for that for Josh Allen. But yeah, that the, the ability to use many weapons on the offense instead of Stefan Diggs or bust or Josh Allen make a superhuman play or bust, that's not going to work 
on a consistent basis. But what we saw against Tampa for two and almost three quarters of the football game, that's the formula. That's the blueprint, I think, for the Bills offense to have success. And I don't give a shit if they're playing the Bengals or the Cowboys or the Chiefs or anybody. If that offense is operating like that, I think they're going to have success no matter who they play. Sure. No I mean, even, against, even against Tampa Bay, I mean, you get stopped on fourth down, you know, at the, the two-yard line. It's like, yeah, that's fine. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. Right? Like, it's yeah. you, you, you took a shot. Like, it's fine. That, you know, you've got them pinned. You get the stop. You get the ball back. I'm okay. I'm okay with that. So it's like none of this, none of this conservative stuff. And whether that's you're playing the Bengals or the Broncos the next week or the Jets or whoever it is, like don't give anyone too much credit, and certainly don't give your defense too much credit because they're not the same defense that you started the season with. Yeah, and you know, I will say this too because I'm with you. I don't think the Bills' defense is shutting down the Bengals, but you look at the Bengals' scoring this year, and it has not been impressive. Even San Francisco, I mean, 31 points is nothing to sneeze at, of course. But, you know, the Bills are very capable of doing that. But here's the Bengals' point totals for this year. 3, 24, 19 and a win. 3, 34 and a win, which was their season high. 17 and 31. It feels like this should be an offensive juggernaut, but it's not. The Bills' defense is capable of making plays. And, yeah, you're not going to stop them maybe for four quarters. But the other key to me is on the defensive side of the ball. The defensive ends need to step up. Uh, if I had a complaint of over the last couple of weeks, Greg Rizzo has been playing through a foot injury. Hasn't been the same Greg Rizzo we saw for the first month. Leonard Floyd and A.J. Epinesa didn't do much against Tampa. And they've been excellent this season. But Vaughn Miller, started. you can see him ramping up a little bit more against Tampa. I was encouraged by him, actually, in that Tampa game, Vaughn Miller. It's time to start seeing Vaughn Miller get make have a big sack you know joe burrow is prone to getting sacked he holds on to the football trying to make a play the defensive ends they got to show up and, and they got to play well in this game yeah there were some quirky almost sacks against tampa bay i mean even that one on the last drive right you got von miller kind of twisting baker mayfield like a pretzel and somehow he stays up and even you know completes a pass on on top of it. I'm hoping for those guys, Greg Rousseau, who you let off the piece with, that the few extra days of rest will will do him some some good. I mean, he still has been has been active, but you get where that stuff will kind of pro prohibit you. But again, that was a weird game against Tampa Bay and that again, they'd have Mayfield in the grasp and sometimes it wouldn't just work. So hopefully this gives them a chance to to kind of get to Burrow early, disrupt them and see what can happen. Last thing, too, here, uh, the Bills' corners. They're going to – I feel like the Bills' corners have not been tested a lot, and I expected it a lot against Tampa. Didn't really come to fruition. Just Tampa, the offense is not impressive, but they got two really good receivers. Christian Benford, I thought, did a really good job on Mike Evans. But, man, you're walking against uh, – you're walking into a, a stadium. You're going to see a lot of Jamar Chase. You're going to see a lot of T. Higgins. So, Christian Benford and Dane Jackson, because I still don't think Rasul Douglas, I just don't think he's going to give them much if anything, on Sunday. Who knows if he'll even be active with just one or two days of practice. But anyway, these corners, too, make a play. You know, they're going to get beat some. The Bills, um, they've done a lot of good things on defense. One thing that's not good is the corners combined have only one interception on the entire season, and that was yeah. by Trey White. 
So Benford, Dane Jackson, you know, if there's an errant pass or a pass rush that forces a quick throw, they got to get their hands on a ball. The Bills are going to need one or two turnovers, I think, on defense. No, and this is going to be a, a huge test too, not just for the cornerbacks, and I'll include Teron Johnson in there, who's hasn't been himself, I would say, these last couple of games, right? Like just seemed a, a little bit off. Um, but also for Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer, right? That defensive backfield, like this is this is big for them. And whatever sure. the Bills are are able to do, again, kind of going back to to what we talked about before, uh, a chance to to show that that playoff game was was not who this team is and uh and kind of you know I keep saying like a get right game it's not a, it's not a get right game but to kind of show I mean similar in the way two seasons ago you get smacked by the Chiefs in the AFC championship game but you come back the next season and you beat them in the regular season to kind of like say hey we are capable of of doing this can that happen on Sunday I'd like to think so well we're going to find out what you really think because it's time for a prediction Give me a prediction, man. Listen, I, I'm never going to predict against the Bills. Not this. I mean, right? Like, I mean, unless you're talking catastrophic injuries on offense, I'm just, I'm not going to do it. But I, I will say um, 38-35 Buffalo. I mean, 38-35 Buffalo? Like, I, I mean, Pat, I'm talking like balls to the wall. Like, let's okay. go. Like, you got to, you got to, you got to expect that this team is going to score 30 they're capable of it along those same lines. Like, yeah, I don't love our matchup with their wide receivers. So, like, are we going to get that epic offensive game? I think we've been talking about it for some time. I think there was almost an expectation for it when you think back to, um, you know, of course, the the game with DeMar Hamlin's injury and, and thank goodness that he's okay and everything along those lines. Like, I think that was a game that we can look back to and say, hey, is this going to be a 30-something to 30-something type of game? Primetime, Monday night football, the entire country is watching. Um, I think there's a there's a little bit of that going into Sunday night. Like, are we going to get are we going to get one of those? And we haven't had one from the Bills since you know the playoff loss to the Chiefs. So it's like I I don't know if my heart can take it, but I'm I'm ready for it. I am. God, I'm so torn. I'm going to speak honestly here. I'm going to speak my truth. I think this is a bad matchup for the Buffalo Bills. I believe in trends when it comes to this football team. Like, I don't care how good Miami's playing. If the Bills are playing Miami, whether it's at Hard Rock Stadium, whether it's at Highmark Stadium, I feel like Josh Allen is going to play well, and I feel like the Bills are going to win the game. I feel like the Bills could go into Kansas City and beat them seven out of ten times, even though most people would say Kansas City's the better team. I just think the Bills match up great against Kansas City. A couple weeks, the Jets are coming to Buffalo. I think the Jets still kind of stink. Well, their quarterback stinks, but I'm horrified of that game because the Jets always play the Bills well. I think back to last year, and look, you're right about being out of gas. Again, I'm not no homer. I'm no apologist, but the Bills were out of gas at the end of the season. But I also think back to the the Monday night game last year with DeMar Hamlin, which by the way, didn't talk about that this episode. That's kind of a big deal, I'm sure, for DeMar personally going back there. Not going to be a factor in the game because unless um, a safety gets hurt this week that we don't know about, DeMar's not dressing. He's not even going to play. But anyway, my point was this. Before that injury, I remember that game so well. 
Cincinnati was well on their way to smacking the shit out of the Bills. I'm telling you now, it was set, it was only 7-3. Cincinnati had the ball, but they just went right down the field. They scored so easy. I just don't think this is a good matchup for the Bills. So that's what I'm torn with. But, but I really liked what I saw from this offense in Tampa. I like, I think with respect to Dawson Knox, I think this team right now is better without him because it makes them run personnel, 11 personnel instead of 12 that I think they're better suited for. I think uh, the New England game was a wake-up call for the Bills offense and for Josh Allen specifically, and I think we saw a lot of hints of that in this game. My one prediction, I would say, whatever the the over-under is for Joe Mixon yards, I'm betting the over. I think he's going to run crazy on the Bills defense, but I'm almost willing to take that if it's not Jamar Chase beating them uh, down the field. My guy, Tone Bucks, who's a big gambler, is ready to make the biggest bet of his life betting the Bengals on this game because he thinks they're all the way back in the Bills. He says they're not right yet. So, uh, I don't know, man. My, God, 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 God. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm going to go with the Bills. <laughs> After all that. <laughs> I'm going to go with the Bills. God damn it. I'm going to go with the Bills. Weird score. I don't even know why. 29 uh 29 to 23, some kind of weird score. I'm going with the Bills, but yeah, after all that, I swear to you, when I woke up this morning and was getting ready to do this show with you, I'm not joking. I had the Bengals winning by two scores. I'm rubbing off on you. I've changed my mind. You are rubbing off on me. You know what it is? It's the freaking Christmas music. It's putting you in a good mood. All right, Bills 29. Bengals uh, 23 on that note. That'll do it for this episode. Make sure you follow Ant on Twitter. I can't believe I changed my mind literally on the fly like that. At Ant Marino, check out Buffalo Rumblings, of course. I'll have you back on next week. And this, again, I, above all else, Ant, on a serious note here, final point, I, I think this is a legitimate measuring stick game for the Bills. I think the trade deadline's coming on. We know where this roster's at. It's not really going to change much. Maybe they can get Daquan back at the end of the season, but they got Cincy. Then they got a couple quote unquote winnable games with Denver and the Jets. And then it's hell after that. But this is to me a huge, huge, huge measuring stick game. Listen, man, like I said, run it up. The Bengals have to stop the Bills too. And I'm not sold that that is something that just, uh, you know, any sort of foregone conclusion. So Sean McDermott, if you're listening to the show, Run it up, man. (laughs) Good point, man. All right. I will be back with a new show tomorrow. Take care.